Hello. And welcome to the first episode in this new podcast series from iMedics. This podcast is called The Man and the Medics. In this podcast, you'll hear firsthand from those on the front line all the way through to those just starting their med school journey. From surgery to surrogacy, COVID to codeine, and everything in between, we've got it all covered. Hosted by our very own in-house layman, Shaz. Here, you get the real insight into worldwide healthcare. So, sit back, strap yourselves in, and join us in the iMedics Coffee Shop. Hi guys, how you all doing? This is a new avenue launched by iMedics where we'll be hosting informal coffee shop style podcasts with our ambassadors. Our ambassadors are medical students from GCSC level all the way up to working professionals from all regions of the world. We'll be discussing topics such as COVID-19, relationships in medicine, health and fitness, mindsets in medicine and many more. If you have any topics that you'd like us to discuss, please at our Instagram at iMedics underscore. Just a bit about myself, my name is Shaz, I'm the general manager here at iMedics. Some of my hobbies include reading, MMA training, gym and hiking. If we can all give a brief introduction about ourselves and then we can get started. Thank you. Hello everybody, my name is Shaw. I'm a doctor from Sri Lanka. Um, yeah, so I studied in Nepal, uh, that's where I did my university education. I did my primary education in Sri Lanka. I'm currently working on moving to the UK, so I'm working on those licensing exams, which are the PLAB exams. Halfway through that, and uh, looking forward to moving to the UK soon. Yeah, so Sham is a, is a big part of what we do out here at iMedics. He's hosted webinars, he's made videos for us, so you'll see a lot of Sham. And if you want to get in touch um, about the webinars or anything, just come to our website. It's, uh, it's on one of these sections. Noor? Hi, I'm a GCSE student living in Saudi Arabia and the UK in between both places. I um, homeschool and I'm starting my A-level soon. Yeah, so Noor's got a really interesting background. Um, she spent time growing up in the UK and in Saudi Arabia. So she's between two worlds, the East and the West. So we really appreciate her input. And she's been homeschooled as well, so you don't hear that too often. Caroline? Hi, my name's Caroline. I live in Glasgow in Scotland and I'm in my fourth year of high school hoping to apply to med school next year and I've just finished like my first set of exams. Thank you, Caroline. So yeah, Caroline, really interesting background as well from Scotland. So there's some regional differences there and um, she's young as well. So we'll see Caroline grow and hopefully through this podcast, we'll keep getting updates on your situation and we'll see you blossom into a, into a, into a great medic. Uh, Kevin. Hi, I'm Kevin Thomas. I'm an Indian. I was born and brought up in uh, Kuwait. Uh, and I came to India for my uh, med school and have been working here ever since. Uh, I'm also preparing like Sham for uh, PLAB exams and on route uh, to hopefully move to the UK in the future. Yeah, so thank you, Kevin. So Kevin will be a big part of this topic today, especially because um, he's working in India right now. And obviously we know how bad the situation in India has gotten with COVID-19, so obviously prayers with India, and I'm sure Kevin will give us some stories about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
just following up from that, how is the how is the COVID nineteen situation where you're all from? Because we've got people from different parts of the world: Saudi Arabia, Scotland, India, Sri Lanka. How is it for you guys? Okay, it's yeah. You might know, like uh, you just need to open up your phones and your uh, newspapers to see how bad it is in India. Uh, actually, during the first wave, it wasn't that bad. You know, first wave seems like a joke right now. Uh, because I don't know, there were so many theories floating around uh, things like, you know, Indians got some immunity because in general, India isn't that hygienic uh, compared to other countries. So we have developed some baseline immunity to most of the diseases. Uh, but yeah, those all like, you know, went to waste like for this, the second wave. What happened was uh, our government thought that the pandemic was over especially with how bad it was in the west we thought like we got off easy and then uh, we had these certain state elections in india like and there were heavy campaigning people were out on the roads and people don't know how to use face masks they use it as chin straps basically so yeah that's how the pandemic just started again the second wave and this time round actually young people are suffering there are people dying and like compared to the population in india our healthcare system is not that robust so those flaws are flaws are actually you know causing more of problems and also we don't have enough oxygen for the amount of people like you know with low saturations of oxygen it's really bad so that is the reason why you know india is suffering right now it's actually bad and uh, economically we are not that great where we can vaccinate the whole of the population and that seems to be the only solution for india and it's it's a long road how have you seen it personally because obviously you're working in these wards um, we hear horror stories of uh, funeral peers one after the other okay see i remember the first time uh, reading about uh, the virus Okay, so I was just getting done with med school. Like I got uh, done with med school in uh, February 2020. And in January, the first case was reported in my state, Kerala. So it was a medical student who came back from Wuhan. And she went to the ANE with uh, sore throat. Uh, yeah, it was just a normal sore throat. And uh, she came back to India because of, uh, like because she heard that there was a new pandemic thing going on in China, COVID-19. And she recollects, uh, you know, people coughing and all in the station. It almost felt like a zombie movie. Like if you've seen the movie Train to Busan, like, you know, it's a zombie movie. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, she just said that. And people didn't take it that seriously in India. Initially, it was just, you know, people sending memes to each other, you know, oh, okay, it's a made in China virus or, you know, like I, I used to send uh, stuff like that too. Like, you know, why do people eat bats and snakes? This is the reason why this happened. Like people were actually ignorant, like, you know, you know, one or two cases here and there. Then Mr. Trump visited India uh, during the pandemic. And uh, then there was another religious congregation uh, that happened in India, which turned out to be a hotspot where uh, it was a Muslim religious congregation where uh, many people from all around uh, India came to the place and then they all test became positive over there and when they went back to their places it just you know it just multiplied exponentially just multiplied and since then uh, the pandemic yeah had an official start the media started picking up on it then there was a lockdown uh, what happened with India when it came to the lockdown was that uh, the lockdown was kind of draconian, if you can call that, 
because everything came to a standstill and india cannot economically bear a lockdown because most of the people in india are daily wage workers uh, i mean they work a day and they get you know bread to eat so yeah that was bad but like like i told you like the first wave wasn't that bad but in the second wave what happened was oxygen oxygen nice you said up in india was so bad that like see my state for example i live in kerala our healthcare system is not that bad but the problem is the population in india is so high that you know even if one or two percent of the population gets sick we don't have enough places in uh, our hospitals my state particularly is good with oxygen but what's the point of having oxygen and medical equipment if you don't have beds for people so that is the problem i feel like Kev, that's a that's a problem that we have in this entire region yeah that's true where even even now even sri lanka started off quite well as far as the pandemic is concerned um actually, actually the government handled it quite well i mean you you can fault the government for many things but the the first response to the first few waves of the pandemic was actually quite good um i we were one of the first countries to um start quarantining people before they enter the country and actually like lockdown airports and ports and we did good and india i i remember was the same but uh it's it's just that like like i've said a lot of these countries can't survive uh, long periods of lockdown and the government is not able to send out money even if they had the finances i don't think they have the infrastructure to send out money to every single daily wage worker and there's another thing about the education level so if you just send out money to daily wage workers um and they assume that that money is going to come in um they they might not be um educated enough to know exactly how to spend that money or where to spend that money so uh thankfully after the first first lockdown or two sri lanka was recovering but um then the the issue started with the third wave where thankfully we're still not as bad as india but uh like uh, like i've said again i'd like to use that expression it's, it's like a horror movie you can see the numbers gradually pick up one by one by one and you can see like the death toll um i remember when it crossed uh, the the case load crossed a thousand and it was i mean we were a really tiny island like a speck uh in comparison to india pakistan these large countries so uh, suddenly we had uh a thousand cases a day and then it went to 2000 now it's 3000 then a few days ago it was 3005 and the death toll just went from 5 6 7 to the teens then to the 20s and now it's in the 40s so it it it's it's like um it it's actually really surreal where you can see um the effects where this region is having it and you can now see it on a albeit smaller scale but on a smaller landmass happening here as well um so i think the current plan is by the government to go into a lockdown again uh, hopefully um i don't know how it will work financially um, it's not our subject it's not what we've been educated in but as medics that that feels like the best way forward but thankfully um sri lankans as in my observation have been uh, quite uh, good with their mask wearing habits and maintaining some level of distance so um i feel like in this again in this region of the world um people listen to advice that's given to them if it's given forcefully enough yeah if the correct person says Not it in india <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah here uh, they they do uh, listen to advice i i was um, on the road the other day i was driving 
Um, I, I was driving along a, a quite normally very populated road and I was just looking out to see if I can see a single nose popping out of a mask and I couldn't and it was literally everybody. You could, I could not see a single person who was just wearing a single mask. It was, they were double masked and face shield and everything. If I had a penny for every time I saw a nose popping out of a mask, I would have a Tesla. Kevin, I just think in our region, our noses are a bit longer than, than the world average. That, that might be a reason there. <laughs> but, uh, so, I'm sorry, we, I've got one friend that um, we went to a theme park the other day and he, every, he's, got, he's got a big nose, he's Pakistani, right? So and, uh, everywhere we go, they're like, put your mask on your nose. And he literally, yeah. he was struggling yeah. because that's just his facial features. It's so funny, like, he was getting told off in every single ride that we went to. But um, just on Sham's um, topic of culture, really interesting. Um, like I said, I'm from the UK. Um, Coventry is, like, the heart of the, the UK, uh, right in the middle. But we come, I come from a Pakistani background, like, heritage. My parents are from Pakistan. So... Um, and it's that cultural difference. If you see people in my area, it's a predominantly migrant area where all the migrants came to this part of town. And um, we didn't listen to the lockdown rules, I'll be honest. We, we didn't. Weddings still carried on, even though there was fine penalties, everything. Um, weddings carried on. Uh, people still meeting each other when there was heavy lockdowns in the UK. Last year, the UK was really, really, really bad. Population is quite small and the number of cases were really high. Obviously, we have more developed infrastructure so we can handle it a bit better, but still the, the infection rate was so high. And then you see that cultural difference of um, maybe because we're from the same background, we're from where that region of the world where you guys are from, we're just living here. So we still have that. Like you said, we, we only listen if it's forceful enough. But if it's, if it's someone asking politely, disregard. And then you see a lot of, um, from that, you literally see a spike in the, in the rates. It was to a point, you know, um, last year, to a point where I, people I knew in my own circle, uncles and things like that, were dying every week. Every, and it's actually affecting me as well. It's terrible. Yeah, definitely. Because you're literally seeing uncles and it's different when you see a statistics. But if you say, oh, last week, two guys from your road died. Last week, uh, his uncle died or his dad died. And it's your friend's dads and you're seeing families just break down and it's, it's, you, you, you cut those uh, numbers come to your life and it's, it's really distressing. I feel like Shaz, the other thing about the, the pandemic, yeah, was it was so poorly understood. And I remember during um, Barack Obama's, I think it was his final term in office, it was insisted that the US should have a plan to deal um, with uh, some sort of uh, pandemic sort of situation. Yeah, obviously, I'm not sure that he thought it would be something like this because this is like a video game. But um, he, he, he wanted something in place and uh, he, he, I don't think he got it. I mean, he clearly didn't get it because America was really hard hit. But um, it's just that um, everyone was so unprepared and it did not help Yeah, that people didn't understand scientific process. So, you know, I, I remember the time that we were coming back from the capital uh, a group of my uh, my mates and I and um, when we were coming back from the capital we were just thinking uh, because we were looking out for people wearing face masks and this was maybe Jan 2020 or Feb 2020 something around that line and then basically we were thinking okay let, let's see how many people wear face masks because the WHO at that time had recommended nobody wear face masks it's not contagious um, um, 
you know, wash up when you come out from outside. And that, that was the sort of guidance. Face masks are not required. Please leave the face masks for the medical professionals. Um, we're running short of face masks for medical professionals to use. It's only from aerosol generating procedures, stuff like that. And um, I was really proud of the Sri Lankans at the time because you know nobody was using face masks. And uh, it's so strange to think that we would be so livid if that were to happen now. And from a layperson's view, and I'm sure as you can relate, it's just that the information kept changing so fast and so often that one day it was like, don't, don't you wear a face mask? There's a pandemic, but you know, sort of calm down. Um, next, next time it was like, you know, sanitize your hands, wash before you enter places. Uh, then it was, yeah, everybody needs to be wearing a face mask. It shouldn't be a cloth mask. It should be a medical mask. Then it moved on to, you know what? Naturally, cloth masks are good enough. Then it was, um, people started explaining that KN95 is the best way through, um, but obviously nobody has access, not everybody has access. And then it moved on to double masking, which was quite recent. Um, and then um, I, I saw that the, even the technology was coming so fast. And people are so, so, so confused as to what information we need, even though all this information came from reputable sources. And the thing was, people, or even the medical professionals were so shocked because this is not something we train for. Nobody trains us in pandemic response. You know, it's not part of medical education. I mean, you sure you learn what a pandemic is, but this is all stuff that you learn on the job, like the WHO, like the CDC learned it. So I'm sure that maybe later on in medical education, probably when uh, Noor and Caroline enter university, pandemic response might be a thing. Because this 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 MERS virus, yeah, which is which is the the the, the, the core of this um, the SARS MERS this this virus, which is the core of the coronavirus. Um, yeah, they're they're all very similar. Yeah, so um, these things will be thought because we could have another pandemic, and it it doesn't have to be far away. So this is something that actually keeps on happening. Like you know, every century it just just happens, but human beings forget. You know, once, like uh, like uh, Shamit said, Obama actually had a, a plan in place where he would have a pandemic response. So they had an amount of fund, um, you know, kept aside for the pandemic response. But then slowly the politicians were like, okay, we need to use this money for something else. It's just going into waste. Why do we have to, you know, uh, put in so much funds for something that we may not need, you know, right now? And they slowly diverted the funds into military and other aspects. And yeah, when the pandemic actually hit, we didn't have those resources at hand. And another thing I would like to touch upon was, uh, yeah, the guidelines kept on changing, right? This for some reason in India, at least in India, that's what I saw, uh, made quest uh, people question uh, these guidelines. They were like, okay, when doctors don't know what they're talking about, yeah, they're like every day they're keeping on changing the these things. And uh, I mean, doctors are not sure. like. I mean, people used to look up to doctors for a final answer. Like, you know, if anything happens, we should have an answer. Like, this is the first time where we actually didn't know. And it was basically evidence-based medicine working uh, out. Like, you know, we try out different things and if it didn't work, we kept on changing. But people didn't understand that. For a layman, it was as if, you know, doctors were just blind. They didn't know what they were doing. You know, they're just messing with us. Yeah, so that kind of attitude. And another thing with working in the wards right now over here is that COVID-19 doesn't have a, a proper treatment per se. Like you cannot, 
cure covid-19 patients it's basically them recovering and we helping them out you know supporting them basic, basically that's a that's a very com- a difficult concept yeah for a lay person to grasp i'll give you like my view as a lay person going into it, but just i'm really curious about how the situation is in saudi arabia and in scotland as well because obviously saudi arabia's got a different governmental system so maybe they've yeah. got more control on the population maybe they can implement things a lot stronger how how is it there yeah um so to be honest i think the government did do a really really good job um cuz before covid even came to saudi they straight away closed all the schools without warning um everyone had to wear masks and we were like really really confused why all of this was going on cuz we all thought it was just a joke okay yeah. so yeah so um schools haven't been open since last year march no way oh, wow they were early with it right yeah. right and um we've been wearing masks since then and we even had a 6 months lockdown when the cases were really low 6 months yeah but the lockdown was like really harsh on us so if you were under 18 you weren't allowed to leave your house at all no way they had checkpoints around the city so my mom and dad would go out to go get groceries and they'd have to like stop by in different checkpoints to make sure that they can go and like be safe and everything so no to be clear you haven't left the house or you there was a period where you didn't leave for 6 months yeah it was really harsh actually um and obviously this, they have a d- different governmental system i think it, it, it's a monarchy yeah. over in saudi arabia so so everyone had to listen there was like a huge fine as well if you didn't right for that's crazy this goes to show the different um systems of government like as a lay person like how you were talking about confusion yeah we kind and you were saying that it's really interesting how you said that as medical students or professionals we don't learn about pandemic how to handle a pandemic or response yeah. because us as a lay person we put all our trust into you guys we're like yeah they know whatever they say we're on it and then when you guys are I'm not saying you guys but with WHO and or the guidelines world guidelines are changing chopping and changing the guidelines we as a lay person yeah. like what are going on what's going on we yeah. don't we don't relate that to the scientific method we just think you're confused like you don't know what yeah. you're doing yeah. we'd rather we'd it's funny because we'd rather a strong strong leader that's wrong than one that's right and is changing so that's why you see like the rise of these Donald Trumps and uh, these yeah. characters around yeah. the world we'd rather a strong message yeah, that doesn't yeah. change Yeah so there weren't any changes when this all happened. So like but the good thing is the cases are like really low right now and there's like only maximum 13 deaths across the whole country. Wow. Wow. Um but I think it's had like a really bad um toll on the children like especially the young ones they can't really talk properly or write or anything. And like they have no social skills it's really sad. Oh, that that's that's a very another very important issue that um gets overlooked is um and that that's not just with with concern to covid it's just generally mental health you know um you know, sitting at home um all day long with no idea of what's going to happen when the fu- what the future holds when it opens up I and mean, it's just the promise that it will open up um but you know It, it it's like so many films that you you watch yeah but the world has just changed by some this one dramatic catastrophic event 
and you, it, you, 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 you could actually go down the rabbit hole and actually think, um, what if it never changes? And I've actually, like personally, I've noticed that my granddad, who, is, who lives with us, who's um, actually normally a, 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 a very uh, well-versed character, has become very sort of guarded and um, I, I can see like a, there's a decline and um, I know I, I know because he, he's somebody who, who used to love to go out for Rotary meetings and interact with his old mates and uh, just just be out there and when you hold him back and um, you keep him at home all that while um, you can you can you can never know what level of damage that does to somebody's psyche. Definitely. And um, yeah, literally I see the same thing. My, my granddad's got dementia. He's had dementia for, for, for a while, but whilst this COVID situation came in, whoa, the decline, the rapid decline is, is crazy to see day by day deterioration. Um, just another thing that I was curious with, um, Caroline's from Scotland and um, in the UK, I feel like we're heavily England biased. Like most of the policies are quite focused around England side of things, London especially. How's the COVID situation being handled in Scotland? So I think you guys have your own uh, governmental policies on that. Yeah, I think it's kind of similar in the sense that we have kind of like levels. So in kind of like busier cities like Glasgow and Edinburgh, then they've had like level four and three, which is kind of like close to lockdown where restaurants are closed, like pubs are closed. And then in kind of like places like, um, I think Orkney and like more isolated places for like level one and two, which is pretty close to normal. But I think last year, even though people were aware of the pandemic, it wasn't really like portrayed as this serious thing for a while. Cause originally it was only three weeks that um, we were supposed to be in lockdown but everyone thought to go back to normal. And even though, I think in countries like Italy, people had to sign a document whenever they were leaving their houses. But in Scotland, like there wasn't really anything stopping people from leaving, apart from if someone was to like call the police. Like there wasn't anyone like kind of patrolling like what people were doing. And I think schools, like we weren't really wearing masks anywhere until we came back like sort of in September. So for that like long period of time, people weren't really like wearing masks. And yeah. No, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. But um, going forward, like as medics, what do you guys think is the best response? Like how should we tackle this COVID situation? What's There's absolutely no argument in the way forward. The way forward is to vaccinate as many people as soon as possible. And I understand that's a bit of a hot button issue because people feel like the vaccine is rushed. And I'm sure Shaz that, yeah, I mean, um, I've got a lot to say on this, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So you people feel like, okay, so when it comes to a normal vaccine, it takes years and years of work. And um, then they push out a safe vaccine and then people still um, have, have problem, issues with it, yeah? And that doesn't make you an anti-vaxxer. It just makes you concerned for yours and your family's safety. And that is well understood. However, um, and the thing that is not well advertised about this vaccine, and I'm sure Kevin will attest to this, is that, first of all, like I said earlier, there was the SARS virus, there was the MERS virus, which are all coronaviruses. So, sorry, can you just explain that in more detail? SARS, so, MERS, what is that? 
so SARS and MERS were, were, were sort of um, in, you know, viruses before COVID, yeah, before the COVID disease. So they're, they're of the same family. Cousins, basically, yeah. Yeah, cousins, basically, yeah. So um, there was a SARS epidemic in certain reason, regions, and then there was a MERS epidemic in certain regions. It was never a pandemic, but it did claim a couple of... Uh, a load of lives. And the difference and between a pandemic and an epidemic is? So an epidemic is in a, a select region, whereas a pandemic is a more global scale thing. Just to, um, yeah. Kev, do you think that's well explained? Yeah, yeah, I would say that. And another thing I would like to add in among viruses is that, um, you know, as a general rule of thumb, I'm not saying this applies everywhere. The more infectious a virus is, the less infective it is i mean no the more infectious a virus is like it causes more mortality it doesn't spread that easily but if a virus is a little bit more chill it spreads like you know very easily for example the cold spreads very easily right so the sars and mers viruses were more serious and it and hence it didn't spread that much but for example the covid was initially not that dangerous initially but it spread like wildfire is COVID a bit like the sweet spot in terms of infectious and uh, morality, like in deadliness um, as well? Yeah. So the so as far as infectivity versus mortality, mortality is how likely the person is to die versus infectivity, which is how likely the person is to be infected. COVID, I wouldn't say is the sweet spot, but it's a, it's it's a damn good virus to travel around the world and. Um, to claim quite a few lives and when I mean quite a few that's the understatement of the century however the the problem with the viruses in general is that they evolve so a response should be rapid okay so what I was trying to say earlier were about the SARS and MERS before it was that people were working on vaccines to tackle these situations that in, that research that data was already in the bank so when they started developing a COVID vaccine they started building on top of that, okay? So they didn't really start from scratch. The second thing is, which you have to understand, is that it was well-funded. Think of where the vaccines came from, yeah? So America, the UK, Russia, China, well-funded countries. And it was just giants of industry and governments, huge governments that pumped in cash to make sure that the vaccine gets developed. Both to save their people, but also it's a competition as to who can get there first. It's a moment to shine, isn't it? Yeah. Our concern about a layman is who gets there first, would corners be cut? And um, and the same thing about viruses evolve. I don't understand, like, so if you can vaccinate against a virus and then it evolves, then what happens after that? So um, what, what I'd say to that, Shaz, is yeah, so Obviously, people would assume that if it came about this fast, corners would be cut. Um, but what I'm trying to say also by, by telling you that it didn't start from zero and it was built over an existing or existing research. And secondly, it was well funded. When you have good funding, you don't have to advertise for funding. You don't have to meet uh, people to, um, to actually convince them that this thing is required. It was from the get go. People were convinced it was required. Yeah. Even though the vaccine was an, an absolute necessity, they didn't they didn't just push the vaccine hard into people's arms. Yeah, they they did testing. They 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 had their own testing groups. The problem with the testing groups is that um, 
you can't compare two vaccines. You can't compare AstraZeneca versus maybe the Chinese vaccine now because it wasn't tested on an equal sample group. So uh, just just to make, make sense of it, like you know, AstraZeneca might have been tested on British people or Indian people, whereas the... Um, the sign is it Sinopharm where the Chinese vaccine is called? Yeah, Sinopharm. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, Sinopharm. It was test, test, tested in China. Yeah, but the thing is, this is the results. The data was given to the WHO, was given to CDC, and they have approved it. Yeah. Um, the vaccines have been tested, but the thing is, the effectivity cannot, the effectiveness of each vaccine cannot be compared with another vaccine. But the interesting statistic there is that. Um, and I, I think they should come towards the end of the podcast where we sort of end on this, is that you can get COVID if you're vaccinated. You can still get COVID. Will it be, will it be serious COVID? Not very likely. Will you die of COVID? No. That's a flat no. Sham, just talk me to, through how a vaccine works in like a really basic way. Okay. So... For that, you need to know how a virus works, all right? So you're, you get sick, the virus gets into you. God forbid you get sick, COVID's in you. And your, your immunity, your immune system, which is a group of cells in your body, starts, uh, your virus starts attacking your cells and your immune system starts attacking the virus. And it basically builds up a resistance to the virus, right? So during this whole time you're sick like you have a fever you're throwing up you're finding it difficult to breathe because the virus is in covid's case can attack and hit hard all right but eventually like kevin said at the beginning and we as doctors are trying to support your system while you fight it off this is not like a bacterial infection where we can give you antibiotics which sort of do the fighting on behalf of your immune system or in in congress with your immune system we can't do that here. And antivirals is is not as straightforward as an antibiotic. It's a very um, vast and uh, complicated subject. So antivirals don't have to work in every single case. All right. Um, but so when a virus is in your system and it, the antibodies or the immune system produces antibodies, it can eventually fight and kill off that virus. Throughout that period, you would have been ill. And that's exactly how a flu happens. So you get a flu, you feel sick for a couple of days, then your immunity builds up and you're okay. All right. Um, so what a vaccine does is a vaccine is basically um, something that is either an ex- extract of that virus of coronavirus or something that is uh, expected to look like co- coronavirus to your immune system, both of which without giving you advanced symptoms, maybe just body ache and um, maybe flu-like symptoms for a day or two, which will trigger the immune system to think that it's gotten COVID and react and create those antibodies. So when you do indeed get coronavirus, your body is already prepared to fight it because it already has the the soldiers, if you were, built to fight that particular war. Yeah. So uh, I hope you understood what I said. It's basically like, for example, yeah. See, for example, if uh, Shaz, you were the COVID virus and you are going to a home uh, to, you know, wreak havoc. Uh, what you would do is like, just imagine that you have this favorite jacket that you wear. Uh, okay, like people identify you from afar. Okay, this is Shaz, that is his jacket. So what, with the vaccine, what you're trying to achieve is that you take the jacket and you put it on someone else, a dummy, uh, someone else. 
and he comes with the jacket and it gives the the house owners a clue okay yeah this is the this is shaz this he's going going to come to attack you so uh this 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 vaccine has your likeness so it thinks that it is shaz it is covid but it's not as dangerous because it's not shaz he's not coming to kill you so it basically gives you this preparedness to you know be ready for when the real shaz comes so that's basically how vaccines work Yeah let me just reiterate that so you can correct me if my understanding is wrong. So what I got from that is um the vaccine is a weakened version or a kind of like a saying lightly version of the um virus and it just gives your body a trial run yeah. a practice to so when the actual virus yeah. comes the body knows how to fight that virus it has the um is it antibodies in place to fight that virus. Yeah that's the right term yeah. It has a memory in place yeah. The sad thing is though um a lot of people they keep listening to like all this misconceptions on social media like um the vaccine has a microchip in it I've seen the needle it's like way too small for like a whole microchip <laughs> to be inside um and like so many a few people we know have actually passed away from covid just because they're so like obsessed with the idea that there's something wrong with the vaccine or like that government trying to spy on them or something the numbers are really like of people that are getting vaccines very very low in saudi and um so like to make the numbers of vaccines be higher they've made new rules like saudis can't travel without the vaccine um now uni students they are not allowed to take exams without taking a vaccine or you're not allowed to enter weddings if you've not had a vaccine Caroline what do you think about that I think Sham mentioned something earlier about how a normal vaccine takes almost a decade to like develop but obviously like this one's taken a really short period of time so do you guys kind of think as doctors but if people worry about how fast it's taken and they don't want to take it for protecting themselves that they should stay in quarantine even though the pandemic's been going on for a while that's a really interesting question caroline because the thing is for example there are different types of government in the world and this is going to sound really philosophical but for example saudi can enforce a vaccine can restrict people doing things because that's just the way they're governed sri lanka or india can enforce a vaccine if the government authorities believe it they can actually push it into people's arms they can they can create these barriers for people not to be able to live their normal life without the vaccine but in a western country yeah where human rights and the the will of the person the individual is valued so much you can't really force someone to stay indoors if you're allowing the general population out so it has to be that each person realizes this and that's that's the difficulty of it i mean covid is tough covid is really really tough and it, it can only get tougher if you know somebody who lost someone or you yourself lost someone however the idea of convincing the world that this is the way forward is just an, a gargantuan task in comparison because they need to understand what it is they're getting and the thing is there's so much media attention on it that suddenly people really really care about it and normally i mean we've all gotten our, our shots when we were born nobody checks what those are or why they work but i mean there's a ton of research and they're necessary for human survival that's why humans are becoming this this pandemic on the world where we are we are overpopulating the world and ruining it 
Yeah, that would not happen. That would not happen to a, to, to a normal species. There'll be something that comes to take us down, but we keep developing vaccines and developing medicine to help humans grow. So the weakest of us still remain alive. That's why age expectation and everything just, just, just has skyrocketed in the last few decades. But so I don't get so too sidetracked from Caroline's question. No, you can't really quarantine people because eventually they're going to have to come out. And there's such a thing as herd immunity. And I'm sure everybody has heard this phrase. Yeah. So if enough people get vaccinated, um, we can protect the people who can't get vaccinated. How does that work? All right. So basically, Shaz, now for the virus to exist, yeah, the virus can't just live on anything. Yeah. So it, it, there, there are certain infections called zoonotic infections that can, can go from like animals to people. Uh, and select animals to people. But coronavirus isn't one of those viruses. So it can't be in your cat. It can't be on your dog. It can't be in some pest that lives in your walls. It can't be on your laptop for long. It can't be on any surface for a very long time. It can't live in your food for ages. It, it just can't do it. It has to be in a human host. So if most of the human hosts are vaccinated and the virus can't survive in them for long and gets attacked and killed off, then eventually the virus will cease to exist. But for that to happen, it's not about five people out of 10 being vaccinated. It's more like nine people out of 10 being vaccinated. So the tragic story of how the US has all the vaccines they need, but people aren't taking them. And actually those vaccines are coming over to Sri Lanka. So Sri Lanka, I think has ordered an excess of 500,000 or 1 million doses of the vaccine because America needed to have them shipped out. That's the cruel reality of it is the way forward has to be vaccination. So we build up an immunity against this disease. And in order to do that, everybody's going to have to willingly take the vaccine, which is not a problem where I live. People are quite happy to take it. I think to touch on what Caroline said, uh, it's a better approach to make people understand that they need the vaccine rather than forcing it upon them. Because ultimately, if you try to quarantine people or force something upon them, they're going to, you know, take it as a fight, you know us versus them that is not an attitude which can happen right now even in india like during the first wave vaccines were kind of available but like for example in my hospital uh, the day i got vaccinated it was me and just another bloke who was there to get vaccinated because there was a lot of misinformation flowing around but right now during the second wave people realized people saw a pattern that okay people who are already vaccinated they are not getting that sick and that actually worked right now we have more demand for the vaccine than we have it and now, right now, if we have the vaccine, people will actually get vaccinated. There need to be a unified approach for all of the all of these governments to educate people, fight the misinformation. Uh, yeah, I think that's the only way forward. Yeah, I was just going to say um, the same, like the lack of education is literally the thing that's um, making COVID spread and people not take vaccines. Yeah, that's so true, Noor. That's so, so true. It's interesting how we were talking about a different region and different cultures, because I know here in the UK or in the West in general, there's a sense of civil liberties, whereas yeah. it's me, you, you can't impose on me, even if it's for my health, even if it's for my benefit, just because you're telling me, the government in this case, yeah. just because someone, yeah. there's a, a body telling you, your initial response is one of reaction, like having you were saying you versus me. So even in my own family, when the vaccines became available, um, my mom and dad got it because they're over 50. But they said to me, Shaz, you're not getting the vaccine because you're a young, healthy guy. So there's no yeah. need for you to get a vaccine. How? Yeah. Because, just because they're telling you. And the interesting thing is with me is I had a PE. For those who don't know what PE is, what's the medical term? The pulmonary embolism. Just to explain what that is, it's basically a blood clot that moved from somewhere in his body 
to his lungs and therefore cut off blood supply to a part of his lung and therefore his his lungs couldn't oxygenate his blood enough and therefore Shaz as a whole was starved for oxygen. Just to be very clear, Shaz at, as, at this moment is not starved of anything. Uh, what don't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> I was one of the first dudes who was offered the vaccine. So I was literally, I was booked in for the vaccine and then that headline came out. This is just interesting because it shows you how the layperson reacts and me being a layperson, of course. The headline came out, was it the AstraZeneca variant of the vaccine? It increased chances of blood clot. Yeah. My blood is already prone to clotting. My, like, my blood is genetically prone to clotting. So I straight away, I cancelled my uh, vaccination because I think I'm not going to risk that. Is, is that true? Because obviously, I don't know, I just yeah. read the headline. headline. I think it's under 30s. Um, they have a higher risk of getting blood clots. But that's just from AstraZeneca. Like, you could ask for Pfizer instead or, like, something else. Yes, also, the, the substance behind that is, one, people like Shaz who have this condition, as compared to the mass populace, are quite rare. So then in which case, a specialist doctor, somebody whose job is immunology and probably Shaz's GP and people, a multidisciplinary team will get involved and decide for Shaz, okay, this is the best vaccine for you. The alternative is not to not be vaccinated. Yeah. So like Noor said, maybe there's another vaccine that um, they could give. But just to speak about the blood clots, it's not a huge percentage of people that get it. Two in every 10 million or in every million. So which is a really small number of people. Whereas COVID is a much higher number. And there was this there was this view very early on, and I'm sure everybody remembers this time, where everyone said that it's only the elderly who will die of COVID. I mean, even though the younger, younger generation will get it, they won't die of it. So it was like, oh, woohoo, spring break, and everybody went nuts, all the young folk, where all the old folks stayed at home. And then people, I remember Dr. Anthony Fauci coming on TV and speaking about how you know, you'll go after spring break to visit your grandparents and that will potentially lead to for them. But the thing is, viruses in general evolve. And that's why annually people get flu shots. It's not because the same flu is coming back. It's because it's a variant of that old flu. So we might actually evolve into a reality where we have to vaccinate the entire population of the world every year against um, this as well. So it might be gelled in with the flu shot or something else. And it might come to that. I'm not saying it will. And please don't quote me on this. Even with the new Indian variant, uh, there is research showing that uh, it's less sensitive uh, to the new, uh, I mean, with the existing vaccine. So it's slowly evolved. So we need to get the population up to speed in terms of vaccination before, you know, the virus can evolve to an extent where it renders vaccines unusable. Yeah. Another concern on the average person side, I think, is the, this talk of vaccination and vaccinating the population and how Sham said it might get to a point where it's every year's vaccination. Is that making us as like a human race weaker that we're relying on these vaccinations? Because the first thing that came to my mind is when the pandemic kicked off and they were like, yeah, get vaccinated, stay at home. No one talked about the other underlying health problems like obesity or if you have diabetes or things like that, are trying to treat them and how that can like severely reduce your chances of being mortally affected by covid no one talked about getting fit or having a healthy diet or exercising which can help boost your immune system naturally it was just all about this over-reliance on on vaccine from my side of things it seems like that seems like an over-reliance on 
vaccine. See, we are sentient beings. Okay, if we compare ourselves to animals, animals don't have, you know, like if if the, if two animals try to fight against each other, they don't use weapons like AK-47 or anything like that. You have tools for a reason. I mean, I think we should be proud that we are at a level, you know, at a species level that we have tools to use to our advantage. I don't know how it makes us weaker. I really don't get that. I think uh, we should use whatever is available to us. And vaccination is not a new thing. It's like we've been taking vaccinations since, you know, we're children. Uh, like people, many people in India actually do die of flu, but we don't take flu vaccines. But in the West, people do take flu shots. So does that make Indians weaker? No, actually many Indian people's, uh, people die due to not getting vaccinations. But it's just that we couldn't afford it. So I think you should use whatever is like, you know, available to you. I echo that sentiment in that vaccines is not a new thing. Um, vaccines are not a new thing. It's uh, we've been getting them since we we're very, very tiny kids and our parents have gotten them. And uh, it's just sort of uh, evolution, if you, if you will. That's that's how as, as a species with the development of modern medicine and vaccines being a huge part of that, um, we've managed to actually over-inhabit the earth. So as medical professionals and aspiring medical professionals, our job is to keep as many people alive for as long as possible. And that's why it's, it's so important at the same time for medicine to also echo the values of creating a sustainable planet along with this, which is a, a completely different topic for a completely different time. But let me, let me talk to you, Shaz, about your second concern, yeah? Whereas you know, obesity and all those other all those other horrible diseases were completely forgotten during this period when people were shut in their houses. And yeah, it was. And the thing was, everything was stretched so thin. Everything was stretched so thin because the world was not prepared for this. People pe- people weren't given an alternative than to, that, uh, to not get fat or not get unhealthy. I would just love to see the numbers of people who have died of heart attacks or strokes or undiagnosed medical problems because they couldn't get uh, to a hospital because of the pandemic. You know, I mean, that we, we would have lost a huge, huge number of people. I personally know some people that have actually um, passed away from other health conditions because COVID like, it has filled up the hospitals and there was no space for them. And people that have passed away from heart attack. My granddad's brother literally a few weeks ago passed away from, from a heart attack. And to get the body out uh, quicker, they were like, just report it as COVID. We can get the body out straight away and you, you can bury him in, in wherever you want. So, and obviously for us as a, as a family, you just want the body straight away so you can perform your Islamic burial rites. So you, you, we need it straight away. So we were like, okay, we'll take that. But it's been reported as a COVID death when it wasn't. It's like this, the statistics have been muddied. But I wouldn't say the statistics have been faked. People died and um, a lot of them have died of COVID. But I would say that quite a few died as well of other conditions because of the COVID rules that they have to follow. And the thing is, I couldn't really tell you what we could have done as healthcare professionals better to make sure that those people wouldn't have died at the time because it was such a rapid response with such a thinly spread uh, healthcare structure in every single country in the world, that there was really nothing that could have been done to better the situation there. Obviously now, a year in and approaching two years, yeah, we should definitely consider this and definitely get some sort of legislation out, get some sort of solutions to people. 
where mental health, I'm, I'm sure Zoom, Zoom has massively helped my mental health because I, I'm able to speak to my, my friends, sit and study. Like that, that's how I study for Plab 1. Um, so when I sat down to study for Plab 1, I was alone, sitting in the dark because I was studying on my laptop. I didn't really have anybody around me. And I realized this is not doing wonders for my mental health. I just left university. And it was a, it was a fresh experience about being alone. So I actually used Zoom. I pulled up my friends on Zoom and every 40 minutes we would uh, take a small break, come back and sit down again and study. And it was like sitting together and studying at university. So yeah, technology has definitely helped. I did my uh, management as a, as a BA. And after that, I started an economics master's. Economics is a very heavy subject, very proper maths focus and everything like that. So my um, content was, my work content was very intense and to balance that i really loved the um social experience going to university going to the library getting a coffee having my coffee and cake with with my teammates and just just working things out and doing group projects as soon as the covid restrictions hit off like i felt it massively on my mental health like just working at home and just studying and you're not having that interaction now we've got a zoom culture where you can get people on zoom but at the start it's really difficult even having your lessons on zooms and things like that big change that big shift in the world for people that are more like um socially inclined or like they get their energy from social interaction really big help it got to a point where i literally i dropped out of my course and i thought not until things go back to normal i won't resume this this master's so maybe in a few years on but it's, it's an interesting point um i just want to know from like the younger people like noor caroline obviously you guys are going to be medics you've had this experience of dealing with pandemics how do you think it's going to affect you guys being homeschooled has like um already made me like not be able to see people much so when the pandemic hit it like i really before that i really relied on like going to the gym or like going to see my friends out for a coffee and so like when it hit it like was really really isolating we used zoom and like house party and stuff like that we're coming to a bit of a close here on the time side of things so just um general general thoughts where, where do you think we go from here how do you think the world will shape out obviously we're not we're not politicians we're not world leaders but just as medics how do you think the future is from from here on out and aspiring medics as well I think um, we're probably going to be using Zoom for like education a lot more. Like for lectures, there's no need to like go inside like a building. I think that might be online. And people might be working from home a lot more. I feel like, yeah, as far as video conferencing and stuff like that uh, goes, um, that, that there's just so much that has changed that will be the new norm in that uh, I think every single lecture I've just uh, delivered after medical school has been online. I've never really, I mean, I've, I've met some people and spoken to them individually, but never have I actually lectured in front of a hall after university. So I feel like this is a, this is a nicer way to speak to people who you might otherwise not have access to. So, um, yeah, so I feel like that would become the new norm. But just to speak from a medical perspective, I feel like soon after the pandemic ends and people start taking off their masks and going out into public, a lot of people are going to get sick with um, flu and they're going to have their dust allergies kick back in and it's going to come back with a vengeance because it's just that we've been so well shaded from things. And, you know, it's, it's sort of that logic where they say, um, if you have a child, 
and your child is out there playing in the dirt, don't discourage that because that, that builds that child's strengths and immunity. So it's sort of like that, you know, we've, we've, been, we've been living in, in a bottle of hand sanitizer for the last one and a half years. And as soon as we step out of it, whenever and hopefully soon, um, all these allergies and everything is going to come back with a vengeance. I wouldn't say it's a pandemic, but it will definitely be a problem. And probably something that uh, we're not, as a, as a species, we're not going to be, we can't expect people to wean themselves out. It'll be like one day, be like, okay, so COVID, it's done. Resume your lives. And then people will go charging into the streets and rave it up and it'll be kicking up dust and, you know. So that'll be something that um, healthcare professionals will have to look forward to. Um, other than that, I'm sure that uh, hospitals and authorities will hopefully um, not forget this and have everything stocked up, ready to go, just in case, just in case something happens or just in case something kicks off. I think we've never ever documented a pandemic uh, like this, like in human history, like we have proper documentation, like on YouTube, like different social media. I think we'll learn a lot from this. And I am pretty hopeful that if a pandemic ever strikes again, we'll be really prepared and it would be easier to tackle. We know like, you know, what's going to happen, how people are going to think. So, yeah, overall, I think it will be helpful. We we'll learn a lot from this. When a historical moment, things are changing. People, our grandkids will be we, yeah. speaking about these times. So uh, it's really interesting, and I really want to keep touching, touching base with you guys as the week goes on, and we'll, we'll keep everyone updated on this. Just to let our audience know, uh, we'll be recording weekly. We don't know when this uh, podcast will be out yet, but um, by next week we'll hopefully have a scheduled time, and then we'll let everyone know. And then um, if you want to uh, give us some topics to talk about, if you anything that you're passionate about, if you can just drop us a DM at imedics underscore. And then we can cover those topics as well. But um, yeah, I want to thank you guys for joining this podcast. I learned a lot from this. And so you, you guys, for, as medical professionals, you've taught me, the layman, a lot. And that's what this podcast is about. It's uh, the man and the medic. So you guys, thank you for that. Thank you for teaching me something. Thanks for having us, Shaz. I've, I feel like us as medics as well have learned so much from you because it's just a very interesting perspective to see, uh, to hear, which, which we generally don't have access to. Um, we were discussing this before the podcast started off that medics generally involuntarily surround themselves with medics. <laughs> it just it just tends to happen. You spend so much time studying and in medical school and then in hospitals that you tend to find out that most of your mates and in most cases their their partners are also medics. So it's it's very interesting to have this conversation with uh, yeah with 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 you mainly reflecting and. Uh, echoing the sentiments of, of uh, the non-medic, um, which is a valid concern, I feel, that has been overlooked for uh, far too long. I've definitely learned a lot from today, especially being um, just a GCSE student. Of course, yeah, it's good learning for you guys as well, aspiring medics, as you've got a bit of a mentorship programme here going on as well. So, uh, <laughs> and, and for me as well, literally, I've, I've learned so much. And, you know, I'm excited for next week. I'm excited to cover more topics. Like, I think we're going to be going into, like, racial bias in medical practice. A lot of topics. And, of course, if our audience wants to give us any topics or even want to be involved in a later stage, drop us a DM at iMedics and then an underscore. This is on Instagram, yeah? Instagram is the best way to get in contact with us. So, yeah, thank you, guys. And uh, we'll, see, we'll see each other next week. We might have a few new people change up the yeah. team a bit. And uh, we'll take it on from here, man. It's really excited yeah. about this. 
if anybody wants us to uh, cover uh, another session of COVID, there's so many things that we didn't touch on on this session here yeah, with travel restrictions and uh, maybe the personal effect it's had on each one of us. Um, there's just so much more we can dive into. Um, so if anybody wants us to continue this rant about COVID, do let us know. Um, again, hit us up on iMedics underscore on Instagram and uh, let's see what we can make happen. Definitely think COVID is going to be a reoccurring topic whilst we're, Isn't whilst it just, we're going yeah. through it. Yeah. The thing that just doesn't die. That thing that doesn't go away. In there. <laughs> you know what I mean? All right. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you for this catch up. We'll catch up soon. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Take care, guys. Bye. bye. bye.